glass, I'm pretty and Welcome to Season 4 of the Barfly Podcast. My name is Jeff Berger, Barfly columnist for the Bay Area News Group and author of the books 20 Years Behind Bars and its sequel, Parole Denied. My co-host and barback is Kevin Blum, editor of the online entertainment hub, The Marine Dish. So sit back and enjoy our little peek behind the hospitality industry crew. Oh, and don't forget to... Have a drink on me. We are lucky to chat today with Stephanie Kaler, who runs SAK Intermedia, a PR marketing and strategic planning firm that specializes in integrated communication strategies. And over the years, she's launched a number of successful Marin restaurants. Well, not just Marin, but all over the Bay Area. But in Marin, restaurants like Ricky's, The Speakeasy, Tam Commons, the list goes on and on. And she's currently gearing up to launch a, a wine bar in Larkspur, which we will chat about. And if that wasn't enough to keep her busy, she's also the executive director of the Downtown Novato Business Association. So after that long, long intro, welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you. we're excited to have you. One of the first things we wanted to kind of just dive into, past few years have definitely been challenging with pandemic and, and all that fun stuff that everybody's had to deal with. You work with so many businesses in the Downtown Novato area. What lessons do you think they've learned over the past few years? What lessons have you taken away from what's worked, what hasn't? I think this where it oftentimes gets overused, but it's accurate, is resilience. The people that have survived, and actually we were just having this conversation at a board meeting last night about how businesses in Nevada fared better than many other places. And I watched them, again, a word I can't stand, but pivot, (laughs) where they learned to put online ordering. A lot of places were not doing that. A lot of places were not using delivery services. So I think those that sort of drafted on those things and really dug in and leaned into it are the ones that survived. Were those lifeboats, you think? Absolutely Lifeboats. That yeah. the outdoor dining was a lifeboat. The delivery and services and, and all of that were a lifeboat. And they've continued on. I don't even know of a restaurant that doesn't do online ordering now. And so even with some of the clients I work with, I've spent a lot of time adding that to websites and, mm. and all of that. So I think that was the biggest thing. And then as we've progressed through the entire three year, I call it three years because it's really yeah. still going on, is how you navigate staffing and how because that's a still an ongoing challenge and how you navigate inflation hits restaurants really hard actually because cost of goods goes way up food is one of the first things that goes up it's sort of a joke about chicken wings right now are ridiculously expensive and yet everybody wants chicken wings on the menu so how do you how do you keep your, your costs in line it takes good business mind to run a good restaurant you need someone who knows how to make really good food that is obviously well, that an important thing. <laughs> yeah. I've known lots of good chefs who've started restaurants that did, failed because they didn't have the right business mind. So it's it's people who have been able to kind of navigate those two things. It's so, a business. People no, forget that they think they're you know bars and restaurants are fun. They're entertainment avenues and all that sort glamorous. of thing. But they are businesses, mm-hmm. and if they if they if they're not financially solvent, they won't stick around. And that's that's the big thing. And I think you're absolutely right. We've talked about this a number of times on the podcast that the cream rises to the top mm-hmm. when pressure is applied to a situation. The better ones succeed the ones that weren't weren't designed to succeed really don't and that's just how it works there was an interesting thing that i noticed specifically to the restaurants in downtown nevada is a lot we have several sort of mexican restaurants and family owned so chinese restaurants and mexican restaurants have predominantly family that works there they had sort of a a unit that was able to survive so i found even in my friends and colleagues in other places all over the country that category of restaurants survived a little stronger, I think, because they didn't lose staff that didn't come back. And and so they fared 
pretty well, actually. That's interesting because uh, I, I, you know, I stopped actually on the way over here at a family-run little burger joint, and you realize, yeah, that that's the old model, right? Mm-hmm. This this newer corporate investment thing where people want to just park their money somewhere and get a huge return mm-hmm. on it is a different model than what we've been, or it's the more prevalent model we've seen in the last ten to fifteen years. But that's not what it was before that. And you used to have the owner-occupied or owner-operated businesses where the, the chef was the owner, where now you've got absentee management, you've got absentee chefs in a lot of cases, and, and that's different. But you're right. I, I mean, like the little Chinese restaurant I know that's owned by a family, the little Mexican restaurant, the El Salvadorian, they're still around because they have a vested interest in being around. Correct. And it's interesting uh, how with inflation, like you said, you know, like with the chicken wing factor, uh, I didn't know that the chicken wings, I, I heard about avocados and limes and things like that. I had an interesting conversation the other day with two business owners who are getting gearing up for holiday parties. One's a Christmas party and the other one's for New Year's Eve and they need to erect tents on mm-hmm. their decks to, mm-hmm. you know, accommodate all the people. Yeah, one of the, the restaurants was working with a big four rents, one of those rental companies to uh, rent a tent for the event. And three years ago, uh, they would have been charged, they were charged $5,000. This year, the quote they got was $16,000 for the same thing, the same thing. And then there's another uh, restaurant that I know who will remain nameless, at least on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they are spending $40,000 on tents, a band, and a whole thing for their New Year's Eve. Yeah. And it's like, Hopefully I will get a return on that. Yeah, That's and, a big and investment. Even the manager admitted to me, she's like, well, yeah, we're not going to see the money back, but we thought it would be good for the community and all that. And there's definitely something to be said. I mean, I'm a marketing person, so yeah. I see high value in, in things like that, especially helping sort of communicate that, hey, things are open and we're having a good time. And I'm seeing that more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So I think those are really important marketing messages. Yeah. So I, I, the flip side of that is I was on Craigslist today and there's outdoor heaters, outdoor furniture, and and a, and a bench press for practically nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a window where that you know, all of a sudden it's going to be or there's going to be a flood of outdoor furniture mm-hmm. available when when the parklets and all that kind of stuff whenever what, or whatever happens. But that that's another great topic. Yeah. Is what's going to especially in Nevada where they've done that great where they shut the street off there grand mm-hmm. and it's fabulous. It's like I mean Nevada all of a sudden is 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 Europe. Yeah, right, which is hard to believe. And that's been a really interesting issue. There's many sides to that conversation. And um, it was a lifeline for sure, as far as the restaurants go. And, and also the community, it gave people a sense of a place that they could go and walk socially distanced. And, and I want to, I don't want to get into the pandemic side of things, but I think it was a great opportunity to see how the community would respond and how the restaurants would respond. And so currently there's been temporary encroachment permits where people, where the restaurants were allowed to have, um, seating expanded out into the parking with tents. Those are actually disappearing on December 31st of this year. So all of those temporary permits that were given during the pandemic are going away. They've replaced it with the opportunity to build a more permanent permit, a permanent structure, more like what Finnegan's has out front. And so currently we have Masa and Mai Tai, Masa Sushi and Mai Tai, it's just a Thai place next door. They're jointly going to build a really beautiful one. I've seen the plans that will hopefully be up the next few months. That is sort of the long-term answer so that it's visually appealing Mm -hmm. and that it's not taking up more parking than is realistic for the other businesses that are in the core. So the, the retailers need the parking for their business. It's an interesting balance. It must be a a tightrope to walk because the interests are almost diametrically opposed, even though they're basically in the same boat because they both help each other. Correct. And we're 
this is an audio only, so you can't see the gray hair on my head, but I can tell you the last three years I've, have just been an interesting dialogue with both sides and trying to find middle ground. And I think, I know Novato's done a great job with it, and I've seen it in other places in Marin and really all over the country. Novato seems to, I don't know, uh, I live in Novato, mm-hmm. and they, they seem to have turned a corner as far as desirability and accessibility. There's a lot more restaurants within just the last five years, certainly within the last year, mm-hmm. several new ones have opened that you would have never seen in Novato before. Novato really was kind of almost a wasteland in a lot of ways 10 years ago in that regard. But uh, a lot of high-end restaurants, a lot of different people, the housing prices have gone up Mm -hmm. precipitously. And uh, it it just feels like something different is happening in Novato. You know, I came into the position six years ago. So I've been there kind of running the, at least running in circles. I've been working with it with downtown for six years. And I think we've seen a lot of change and not just in downtown. I've seen it in other places as well. And I've seen the same thing that you're seeing. I'm seeing people move out from the city and families. I'm even seeing the dynamic. I live in Nevada as well. So obviously I see my neighborhood change. I think that partly feeds the success of the restaurants. Grocery stores. We have a lot more high-end grocery stores or better grocery stores, and even the older grocery stores are remodeling. So, you know, that's a good sign for anyone who lives up here. I think there's two things that I've seen also change. We've gotten some tasting rooms and tap rooms, which sort of brought a younger crowd in. So we have Mantra, which has been a great success in downtown. We have Trek, which has been a great success. And also Trek has a venue where people can have parties and that sort of thing. So those two things. And then we have Indian Valley Brewery and we're about to get Hen House. Hen House is under construction. So yeah, they will be in hopefully this spring. They got a great following. Yeah. Yeah. I think that has helped and then I just still stick to the notion of all boats rise if somebody is in Mill Valley and they're headed north and they're like I don't know where to eat well we can go to Nevada and we'll have lots of options we'll decide when we get there I do think that helps whereas if there's only one or two places it's it becomes only a destination for that specific restaurant so I think with the opening of all of these other ones it's helped each each one of them succeed Novato never had a downtown. I mean, that whole thing is, has been constructed over the you know last 25 years mm-hmm. or so. But closing that street down, what a stroke of genius. And you realize it took a pandemic to make something so obvious mm-hmm. happen. And now others, I mean, Mo Valley does an element of that. You know, San mm-hmm. Rafael does that too. Chevron I mean, was yeah, doing it too. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's amazing how, how well it catches on when you go to Europe and everybody does everybody it. Everybody does it there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They've been ahead of the game yeah. uh, for years. Yeah. Well, I think there's a, you were talking about lessons that came out of the pandemic. I feel like community is an interesting thing that came out of that. There's two things. The sort of connection to your home, which people were stuck in their home and all of a sudden they liked their home and either liked their spouse or didn't. We'll get into that conversation. (laughs) That's a a whole different podcast. But the sense of community, I think we really came to appreciate being around each other. And I think that's that whole European model of a closed street is to create an environment where community happens. And so I see that. Absolutely see that. That's an interesting concept because the idea of entertaining at home is uh, is much more prevalent. I mean, the to-go cocktails have kind of gone away. Now it's a full meal, right? Mm-hmm. And that becomes more complicated. But the idea that people still want to entertain at home. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, I hate to say this on, on our podcast, but it's more cost effective in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, right? Going out to restaurants are expensive nowadays, mm-hmm. but still worth it. But in you my have mind. to do the dishes at your own house. Well, you know, so, and <laughs> someone has to make those thing. cocktails, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I'll to go to the that. restaurant. <laughs> but it's just adding a whole other dimension to the to the idea of community that you can see them out and then go back to your house and, and do all these types of things that, that probably 10 years ago no one even considered. In addition to working with all the small businesses in Novato, you've also have launched quite a few restaurants. 
And I'm always fascinated by that process, especially nowadays. I mean, since things are much different than they were, let's say, like three years ago. What are the challenges in opening a restaurant right now? And how much homework do you do before choosing the spot? Coming up with the concept, or do you come up with the concept, choose the spot? How much homework are you doing about the neighborhood? So a lot of times I'm brought in sort of at that point where they're making, either they may have already decided on a spot just with the nature of when I come in. So the history, and I won't get too long-winded about this, but I used to, a while back, many years, past life, work for an organic salad company. And one of the things they were trying to, it was back when high-end greens were not a thing. And so they were trying to get placement in high-end grocery stores. And so the, the track to do that was to get them in high-end restaurants. It was at the time that Vegas was going from, you know, the buffet to incredible restaurants yeah. and food. And so I earned my chops by sort of watching that process and being involved in that process in Vegas specifically. I take that and I bring that here. I've learned the things, sometimes it's just instinct. I spend a lot of time looking at a neighborhood. There was a, a restaurant in Redwood City that I, I named it. I came up with all the branding and all of the, the marketing and even some of the concept. I walked around that neighborhood. I went to the different places and you get a sense of what people want in that space you go from there and then there's some trends like naming a restaurant honestly using numbers is a trend that's very Mm -hmm. very popular just using the address so the and then sometimes the concept comes first someone comes to me and says i want to build a steakhouse and then we go from there so it just sort of depends and you can see sometimes people misunderstand the de- their demographic. And yeah. that's why we're talking off air about Novato had a high-end grocery store that opened and looked around. So look at all these expensive homes, all these people have money, and it failed miserably. Mm-hmm. And the next one that went in was a little more mid-tier, and it's done phenomenally well. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 not just, I mean, you have to understand what, what the demographic is. And sometimes that's difficult, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it's not what it appears to be. It also changes. Yeah, well, that's, that's the yeah. thing is it changes over time. And people's sort of I I think it went very much into a fast casual environment I definitely think that's still working but I do think people still like to go out to a nice restaurant but they may not want to feel as as formal as the French laundry so they're not that's not comfortable so where is that line and that's that's where restaurant owners it's not as easy as you think to run a restaurant I think people think two things that it's easy to run a restaurant and that there are high margins and both of those things are very very untrue yes for me personally, the the restaurants that I've seen succeed are the ones that bring someone like me in at the get-go and then listen. Right. Because I do think there's so many factors that, that come in. That's so funny that you said that because I, when I used to do PR for restaurants, that will be challenging. They're hiring you to do a job and they're paying you, which is great, but they're not listening to you at all. So at one side of me was like, well, thank you for the the money, but mm-hmm. you're going to just do what you want to do anyway. So I don't know why you're wasting your money on me. And I, I think sometimes they're they're so locked into what they want to do. I think they do it just because they think they're supposed to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. They're checking a box. Checking yeah. a box. Right. Exactly. And specific to Novato, I had a sort of long-term partnership with a restaurant owner there. And that was the success of those was that he listened. He mm-hmm. really did listen. And he knew where his strengths were. And that does make all the difference. It's a team effort. Absolutely. I mean, that's always the thing is don't, don't have the chef designing cocktails don't have a bartender designing food have the people who know what they're doing do what they do and then work together right it doesn't mean that you can't take input from other people but Mm -hmm. recognize that you if you're paying someone for their expertise listening to it's probably a good idea once had a lawyer tell me that you know you're paying me either way jeff that's right i am one of the other things that i see happen and not be successful is where someone goes to a place and says 
oh, I love this place. And then they buy it. So they think because it's fun to go to a place, right, right. it's, it's, I'm watching it happen right now at one place and it's just going to, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out because I think... Fun is not the word I would use to describe the restaurant business in the first sentence. I mean, it can be. I mean, Oh, again, it's very fun. And it's got creative right. elements. There's so many things yes. about it that are, that are great. But, but it is a job and mm-hmm. it's a hard job. And if you don't know what you're doing, it'll eat you up and spit you out. Right? And I think right now at this exact moment, we're at a big juncture where it's it's harder because we're trying to figure out what the new normal is people's behaviors have changed people's attitudes have changed and so where are we landing what do they want do they want craft cocktails still or are we going back into that sort of more classic where you know they just want a martini so i think there's so many different factors that we're still figuring out what, what do you, you think know, as, far as, as far as the cocktails are we well, I, I, think away from craft? I think she's right but the problem the thing is is that different places would would have different emphasis yeah. i mean like the, the place i work uh, obviously ours is classic cocktails i mean that's our logo for mm-hmm. god's sake so i mean that sort of thing you have to have one of those just like every every town needs a white tablecloth restaurant because you're not going to propose at the fast casual place right <laughs> yeah. uh, or, or, or you might <laughs> now so you met the first time let's put it that way <laughs> but at any rate the thing is is that uh, there's niches for everything but you got to find your niche and then mine it right absolutely so you're getting ready to launch a is it a wine bar or wine lounge and- it's a wine bar Wine mm-hmm. bar in Larkspur. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Or yes. That? So it's a general manager I've worked with at another property in Marin, and he is opening. He used to have a wine bar by the same name. It's called Internos, in case mm-hmm. anybody wants to go check it out. It used to be in the city, and then that closed pre-pandemic, and he's opening it on Magnolia in um, Larkspur. It'll have wine and beer. It will also be high retail, so it'll okay. it'll have a pretty significant retail element, and then go sit and, and eat. There'll be cheese plates and that sort the of thing. Cheese shark yes, kind exactly. of thing. Yeah. I think it'll be great. It'll be well received and he's well known in the community. And so. where are Magnolia? All the way down, not quite as far as the guest house, but that down that direction. Okay. So it's one 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 zero, I it's think. It's kinda like across address. from like where Rustic Bakery is. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I'm sure they looked at multiple locations. Why did they decide upon that one? I don't know if I can answer that super deeply. He lives in Larkspur. He knew he wanted it to be in Marin Mm -hmm. and, again, knows the Marin market very well. And, you know, it's not always... People think there's a lot of space available. There's really not that much space available. Mm -hmm. And it it lended itself to it because it already had some cooler space. It had been, I think, a liquor store or something at one time. So the the infrastructure was, was solid, and I just think there was a combination of factors has easy parking mm-hmm. it's near the school you know college of marin I, I just think there were several different factors in there oh that'll be exciting when when is that set to open after christmas uh, we were hoping before christmas but it'll be after probably yeah. right after the first i would year. imagine opening any kind of restaurant uh, or any place during the holidays is tough time yeah. well the hope was in november and and the reality is permit processes are slow okay. isn't the restaurant business fun so fun <laughs> So don't worry about tomorrow, take it for today. This brings to an end Season 4. Please join us in February for Season 5. On behalf of Kevin and myself, thanks for listening.